0: So tomorrow Donald Trump is going to be inaugurated and we've already seen a preview of what's to come with Betsy Davros's confirmation here. Man, dumpster fire. Hey, but can as an educator, can we all just take a moment and appreciate the heroic struggle of the brave Wyoming teachers and their constant fight against bears? <laughs> going for it. Uh, apparently teaching up there is like a 1950s min magazine cover where you're just shirtless and wrestling wild animals, and you know, more power to it. Like a Tuesday for me to Wyoming teachers.
1: <laughs>
0: hey, welcome to the Mix Six. I'm Caleb. I'm Spencer. This is a podcast where we drink six beers and have six conversations. Uh you're currently listening to the pre party where we get everything set up for you. We're gonna make this a separate thing now with some special music in between it, just for you. Uh but anyway, uh we just wanted to start off by saying uh thank you to all of our Patreon backers. You a guys huge have been thank you. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, this is our first episode in which over fifty percent of the content is user generated yeah so i mean let 's look at the reality of this like a couple months ago, this was something that we were talking about doing after years of talking about doing mm-hmm. we 're a month into the patreon we 're mm, two months into recording, and like we 've got a backlog of user generated content that is like unfucking believably long yes, so thank you so much yes, thank you very much. Uh, another thing i 'd like to say is it 's probably been up for a while at this point, but uh, our new logo art is by the fantastically talented Violet Kirk. And uh, we just wanted to say thank you for that. Uh, We've never looked so good than when you skipped most of our features to make a cartoon version. That's absolutely right. What I found out is that my best side is the cartoon side. So this is great for me. Exactly. Uh, so how are we going to rate beers this week, Spencer? Well, as you all probably know by now, every episode we like to introduce a different rating system for beers so that as we review beers, we can also give you a sense of how we might rank it. Uh, think of it as a, a way of suggesting or, you know, based on the beer, not suggesting what you might drink at your next game night. So today, we'll be talking through Batman actors. So both Batman Returns and Batman Begins have been on television a lot recently, mm-hmm. and I've been watching both of them, uh, and I've been asking myself this kind of eternal question over and over again. Who, between Keaton and Bale, is the greater of the Batmans? Yeah. Not Batman, Batmans. So what I've decided to do today is give you a ranking of five. So the worst Batman we'll talk about today, and or the worst beer that we'll drink today, is a one, Ben Affleck. Yes. Okay. Because... A number he two. He did beat someone out though, Clooney. He beat Clooney out. Clooney, not even on the list. Spoiler alert: Clooney doesn't make the list because codpiece. That's yes. how I feel about that. All right.
1: A not number. The credit card.
0: Not the credit card. Wow. A number two is Val Kilmer. Um, it was passable. It wasn't the worst of those two movies. He but. looked kind of Batmany at that point before he started looking kind of Orson Wellesy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh. you know, change. Yeah. Uh, A three and and kind of a standard, right? The middle of the road, that by which we measure other Batmans, Adam West. I mean, he's got a first mover advantage. He absolutely does. Yeah. And popular culture has latched on to Adam West Batman more than most other characters in history. So good for him. Uh, uh, A four... And this is where things get a little dicey for some of you, and so I apologize in advance. A four is Christian Bale; it's great, it moves the needle, What? it makes you think critically. What are you talking about? About what you want I'm to be. A four, as a man. <laughs> Swear to me. And it also lets We're you. We're done know, professionally, right? It also lets you know not to smoke too much uh, because yeah. emphysema. Um, but a five, then, and, and in my opinion, the greatest Batman of all time is Michael Keaton. Uh, Because being Batman is not just about being Batman, it's also about being Bruce Wayne, and he crushes Bruce Wayne. His awkward interactions uh, with Kim Basinger in in the early stages of that relationship are unbelievable. Trying to smarm the Joker. Oh, man. Just baller level. Four review, a one is a Ben Affleck, a two is a Val Kilmer, a three is an Adam West, a four is a Christian Bale, and if you drink a beer that moves the needle for you magnificently tonight, it's a Michael Keaton. Indeed. And now we'll get some beers and get on to segment one. Indeed. Cleb, beer one, what you got? I am drinking Urban Chestnut's uh, Count Orlock Black Pumpkin Ale. And I just gotta say, points for. Uh, the branding on this, because they got, like, a full-blown Nosferatu yeah, picture on that bottle. picture. And it is, it just, I mean, I just snatched that right off the shelf. Uh, it's going to be a solid Adam West. Oh. It's good. Right. I am sort of trained to look for pumpkin-based, St. Louis-based beers by Schlafly, because yeah. hard five. Right. Uh, but it's a three. It's okay. I can tell some, there's some pumpkin in there, but right. that urban chestnutty is, like, it's very much at the front end. This is an urban chestnut right. beer. And there's some pumpkin. Given that's an Adam West, you would say it's got some pow? Yes. Zing. Yeah, it's <laughs> powing you with the urban chestnut. Ah. And then it just kinda the credits are like also including pumpkin. Yep. Totally uh, as an extra. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's what I'm drinking. What are we gonna talk about? All right. So topic one for the night, uh, we're going back to an oldie but a goodie, dissecting our fun. Tonight we're talking about board games again a little bit differently, though, so rather than picking a specific board game to review, as we have in the past, or even a board game mechanic that we find interesting, tonight we're going to talk about the worst three games we could play. So in my mind, here's how I was thinking about this. You're at a game night, you're sitting around with friends, someone says to you, hey, let's play this. And you instantly tell yourself, if you want to be accepted in the group, you'll do it, but you'll go home later and cry about it. so that's what bottom three game is for me. How do you interpret this uh i I interpreted it if like I knew we were going over to play that, I might be busy yeah uh sneaky and we also uh we also mentioned um because you're like, I want to be part of the group, and I'm gonna, and I, I'm frankly don't have the cojones to like not be part of the group. I'm gonna go along, to right. get along. But if I know on the front end what we're playing, sure. I'm, I'm stepping out. We also agreed at the front at the front end, no excessively traditional games. Like, look, if you want to play Monopoly, just punch me in the mouth and let's let's fucking fight it out and right. get it done. <laughs> yeah. like it's gonna go faster, it's gonna be more pleasant, right. And frankly, it's more honest. Right. So let's just. Let's just finish it and move on. Like uh, it's, it's too obvious to be mentioned. So mm-hmm. uh, less than traditional family games, but also a game I really am not, he- I'm not speeding over to your house to play. Totally fair. Yeah, totally fair. So what's your number three? So my number three, and I have to admit that it's very possible that this is not about the game. It's about the two bad experiences I've had playing the game. But I can't separate these things because games. So my number three is Arkham Horror which I know is probably not a terribly popular answer here. Oh, God. But but And so I apologize. I can, I can just see the bar on right. the Patreon right. dropping. <laughs> I apologize in advance. Please, I have a, a number of other redeemable qualities. Mm-hmm. As you can probably tell, hopefully tell from the animated face, I'm at least animatedly cute. Um, but let me tell you why Arkham Horror made my list. So the first time we played Arkham Horror... Um, it took us like six hours because we were constantly consulting a rule book, which, which felt like a tome. Yeah, That's not a lot of fun, and it's not a good way to get into the game. Had my first experience with the game been my second experience, where you came over and functionally just walked us through the game? You need a GM. You need it's a GM. It's hardcore co-op conundrum. Yes, but that's the problem. So we're so behind the eight ball that when you come over to walk us through the game, it's the co-op conundrum problem. We're not even really doing the game anymore. Yeah. You're telling us where to move things and what the next action Understandable. is. So I'm fully willing to admit that this is number three on my list currently over time and play. Uh, this game could quickly come off because I love everything about the idea. I love the universe. I just have not enjoyed playing the game yet. Yes. What's third on your list? Third on my list, um, and caveat on there, not because of a game design issue, because of a social issue that accompanies it. Yep. Uh, Catan. Whoa. So look, I did not get into board gaming with Catan. Right. And I understand that's the gateway drug for most people. Yeah. Um, but. With the exception of playing with you, which yeah. is the first time I played it. Which is also mind-numbing to me. Yeah. I just went straight to heroin, man, and right. then you did. I tried weed. Right. Uh, it, it is, uh, when I'm invited over to play it, it's usually by some couple that's like, oh, you're into board games, huh? Have you tried this new thing called... Yeah. like yeah, they yeah. just like fucking blew my mind. I'm like, there's an episode of fucking Thirty Rock about it. You're not edgy, and,
1: well, Parks and Rec kind of,
0: and everything. Yeah. Like it's it's. The, I ran an academic bowl the other night. There was a question about it amongst right. so, the, like it's. I'm not against the game. It, it is a running joke in an entire episode of Big Bang Theory. Is Except, what it is. Yeah, I, it's. I'm not against the game. It is a well designed game and it is an interesting game. But it's like sort of vanilla for this kind of like because we're playing weird games with marbles and stuff yeah, now. Like I need something harder to get my rocks off. And then, fun intended. Yeah. And then secondly, uh, it, it, every time I've been invited to play it, everyone's just been like, "Oh, we'll play a game. We'll play a Catan or something." Like then I'm like, "All right, yeah. We'll drink. We'll talk. We'll play Catan." But it's just like. I'm gonna blow your – You think you're into games? You're over at your house playing Parcheesi. I'm like, no, I'm no, I'm not. No, I'm literally, I'm, not. I'm really not doing right. that. <laughs> right. uh, and they, they always think like I'm gonna blow your mind, and I'm just like, oh, no, no, I get that. That's fair. That that it never measures up to what probably it is sold as. Yeah, the there's nothing. Of- it's nothing on Catan, but like, there's just I got this whole social stigma with it now. I get that. Well, so now that we've taken down two incredibly popular games to an audience of likely gamers, <laughs> yeah. the rest of this is See only See how time. much money we can lose in our segment. That's right. Achievement um, unlocked. So number two for me, and I'm, I'm curious if this is also on your list because you and I spent a lot of time talking about some ire for this game. Also a wildly popular game, so maybe this is just my hot take seg. Um, number two on the list for me is Cards Against Humanity. So here's what it is. All social issues aside, not that I can take the social issues aside on something like this, but if I'm just evaluating the game, here's the problem that I have with playing Cards Against Humanity. There is some actual nuance in that game, Mm -hmm. which is understand your audience at a really fundamental level to figure out what person at any given time, what one person at any given time will find funny. And I think there's something interesting and investigative about that, and it says something about your ability to be insightful and read people. The problem is that is not what happens in 99% of Cards Against Humanity games. It's a race to the bottom in racism, sexism, misogyny, inappropriateness. And not that those things can't be like oddly funny in the right setting and that there aren't spaces where sometimes someone plays something unexpected and you're like, oh my god, I can't believe you said that. And there's kind of a wow factor to it. But but all of the immediate nuance of figuring out how one might actually play the game is immediately shot to shit by the insanity of that play. It's my number one. Oh my God, I can't wait. Uh, I hate it so much. I'm busy. I have to wash my hair. I have literally anything else going on. Do not make me play Cards Against Humanity again. I needed a bookmark and something to prop up a table the other night. I picked my old Cards Against Humanity cards. Yeah. And they weren't nearby. I went into another. Room. I opened doors and drawers yeah. and, and retrieved them. Uh, I just can't do it anymore, man. The race to the bottom thing's a real thing. Yeah. Also, the humor of the game is based off this sort of ironic disconnect of yeah. like, I am not this racist. I am not this sexist. Right. It is there's this chicken crossing the road, unexpected element. That's the comedy of the game. Right. But the eighth fucking time we've played it, it's gone. We're just saying racist things off of cards. And there's no humor to it anymore. I have the cards memorized. Right. I have the expansion cards memorized. Again, the Catan problem. Everybody on freaking earth wants me to play it. Absolutely. And furthermore, I have a selfish, uh, negative part of myself. The uh, the hatred comes from a far, far less defensible part in that, as a game designer, it infuriates me and makes so much goddamn money. Oh, you stole Apples to Apples and made it shitty, like everyone already was playing Apples to Apples, and you got... A billion dollars. Fuck. What am I doing with my life? I hate that this exists. Uh, you, the rage is—Producer Ross, you know that rage. you got to tamp it down because it's, it's a bad, you know, envious uh, thing, but it's there. Don't deny it's there.
1: Okay, so to, to talk about Cards Against Humanity, uh, I, don't, I understand these visceral reactions to it. I've been fortunate that I've only played it like maybe three times, and it's all been with the RPPR people— and so I've never had to play it with people I don't know that well. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so one, I have also haven't gotten burned out on the cards. That's
0: another thing. People use it as a fucking icebreaker. Yeah. Why, why right. is that the don't goddamn do that. icebreaker? Don't do that. Because you know, cause you know the, that game could also be called Spot the Racist. Because yeah. like that's the person who's not playing it ironically. And yeah, now yeah. you're around a table and you're looking at other people like, don't. Don't make that and, joke and, and, yeah, like, I see randos playing at conventions that have never spoken to each other before. I'm just like, no. And they won't again. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. and it's, I did not have this reaction the first time I played it, the second time I played it. But at this point, never again. <laughs> I have shit to do. Right. I'm going to fake a phone call. So, I have to figure it out. Like...
1: So, it can't be one of my, my things because I haven't burned out on it, but I never, I, I actually don't want to play it anymore because i like, I haven't reached that point. I think I'm at the threshold right now. Right. So. Oh, yeah, live it up. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> to be also fair, uh, well, I think the people who make it realize that they don't deserve all the money they do and are spending it in great ways like digging giant holes. Right. Uh, they know. also do some charitable work, yeah.
0: which, again, heart hurts my envious. I hate you for making more money <laughs> yeah, than sure, the argument. Sure. Uh, but at least I'm admitting I have that in there. Like, yeah. You're not going to get a hot take. Is like, well, he's just jealous. He didn't. No, I'm jealous I didn't get that money. Straight up yeah. mad about it. I fucking accept it. I, it's on the line. Uh, but, and,
1: and who deserves it uh, more, them or the Exploding Kittens guy?
0: Yeah, and also you're talking about, like, uh, party games. Like, there's... Clev- like snake oil play snake yeah. oil you can play with any number of people it involves being cleverer it's funnier sure. in a lot of there ways there are alternatives yeah there are much better alternatives that are also super kind fight. of adult and not super fire. super fire but yeah no not cards so Never what's your did. number two now that we've just totally I'm sorry I couldn't wait I'm no, so I know. excited to talk no, about I know. it <laughs> uh, Twilight Imperium Oh, I oh. thought that
1: was going to come on the list.
0: I'm busy, and you're busy for the next 12 hours, and you're not going to finish Have you played it, game? Spencer?
1: Nope. I mm. avoid it for that reason. Oh, my God. It's just... Ugh. We got through four turns? We played it for six hours once. We got it through four turns. I think the only time I've heard of someone having a complete game of it was because of the 2007 ice storm. Were, <laughs> like, power was out in Springfield. The roads were down. We were just hunkered down in whatever buildings at heat. And I think Dan and some other people from RPPR managed to finish a it full It is the run. antidote to despondence. Over a matter of days. Oh you know.
0: Like, I'm not, I'm not against it as a game design. I just... You know, we talked about Alchemist being about the peak level of complication I am willing to handle, and then it manages that with an app. Yeah. Yeah. Twilight Imperium threw that app out the fucking window, and then it made it infinitely more complicated than even Alchemist with, like, 82 wind tracks and all these special. Oh, my God. I just don't care. Oh, you
1: like Civilization? Would you like to do it manually? No.
0: (laughs) No. I would not. It is a computer game for a reason. Oh, God. Oh. Yeah. I have stuff to do. I got in a car wreck on the way over there. Uh, I I will fake a heart attack to get out of a Twilight Imperium game. Damn. So I've not played it. Uh, my number two is Cards Against Humanity. My number one, which you've already discussed yours, at length and in vigor, might yeah. I add. My, my number one is Risk. And I know we were trying to toe the line between non-traditional games and kind of where we ended up. Risk to me is outside of the non-traditional or outside of the traditional. I'm not going to contest that. Right. Uh, because, yeah, a lot of people play it. And, yeah, it's you know beyond the basics in some ways. But it feels like the most basic beyond the basic. But here's my thing about Risk. Um, if you asked me to play and I told you no because I didn't have the time, I'm lying to you. I do have the time. <laughs> in fact, we play hours. We play games for six hours on the weekend, sometimes more than that. Yeah, I have played 10-hour strategy games with my father-in-law and loved every minute of it. Mm-hmm. Just none of those things were risk because I don't fucking care. That's two turns in Twilight Imperium. <laughs> okay, see? And that's why you've not sold it to me here is what I'm saying. Yeah. Here's the other thing I've learned about myself. For... For however this may or may not be possible I'm a bad dice roller Like terrible at rolling dice Which is the entire game of Risk Probabilities don't work for me (coughs) Um, uh, And so The notion that I would spend seven hours With some people Just showing them over and over and over again That probabilities don't work in my favor No, it's just punishment That's not a game anymore So Um, I love games. I love doing a lot of things with games, and I love a lot of games. Don't ask me to come play Risk to you, because I'm going to have to lie to you because I don't want to be honest to you. Yes. That's how I feel about Risk. That's fair. I'm going to go get a beer. Yep. Okay. Hey, Spencer, what are you drinking? So we've not had a lot of white whales, only a couple of perfects in our entire run now, eight episodes in, I guess. I'm about to have one more. This is, this is the, the whitest whale, is what mm, I'm saying. It's so good. This is Mother's Brewing Company's MILF. If you follow us on Twitter, if you read any of the Drinking Alone blogs, if you've heard Caleb and I just talking out in public loudly, at libraries even, you know that we love Mother's Brewing MILF. Um, so MILF is their imperial stout. I believe it's 11% this year. Most years it's 11%. Yeah. Um, and yeah, 11% by volume. So this is going well. And Spencer Harris is saying this, and he's not a stout man. I am not. There no. are very few stouts that I... that I So I'm willing to play the stout game, but it's not my preferred game until there are a couple of stouts in front of me, and one of them is MILF. Yeah. And I will drink it until I fall over. I went to go buy that MILF uh, from the Mother Brewing tasting room. Yes. Uh, I walk in, Kyle Jeffries is just like, you here for that MILF? is literally just like right throughout the door, he's like you saw it in my eyes. Yeah. Like you can see the hunger. It's it's almost uh, vampiric at yes, this point. Yeah. It's absolutely what it is. Uh, so yeah, that was it. What are we uh, what are we talking about here? Uh well this is your number one vote for floating segment dear Patreon listeners. And this is Nerd Spliner. So, Which I take personally, because Sportsplainer is something that I've been running, and Nerdsplainer won the number one vote for Patreon backers, <laughs> so we'll talk about that later. <laughs> Just real hostile turns the fan base. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so uh, in Nerdsplainer, uh, we talked about what to talk about. I, I went through a lot of different stuff, and what we landed on was uh, nerd epiphanies, or as we're calling nerd Uh A nerd is a point in your life which you realize... I am not like the others. I am a nerd. Mm-hmm. Uh, it could be traumatic. It could be kind of like gratifying. Uh, but it's a point at which you realize that mm, I've, I've gone uh, I've gone astray yeah. from the crowd. Either way, it's a point of differentiation. Exactly. Right? right, wrong, or otherwise. It's a point where you know that you fit into not this, but that, maybe. Yeah, and uh, though uh, I require the entirety of the work of sports planning to be On you. Uh, You've been nerd identified before. Yeah. Uh, So I'm interested to see what you say about this. Sure. Sure. So I thought really critically about what, first and foremost, what does it mean to have a nerd epiphany, which I think you've just really nailed there. Moments where you realize something in you has changed to fit into a category that maybe you never felt like you fit in before, or move you out of a category that you already felt like you fit in, all right, Um, towards the category of nerd. Mm -hmm. So I thought really critically. I identify as a nerd. I love nerd things. Obviously not all of nerd things, but a lot of nerd things, if you've been listening at all. Um, and and the, the best way that I can think about this is that there are three nerd-diffity, in my life. Yeah. Three moments where I clearly kind of had to take a, take a break and say to myself, all right, I'm committing to a transition in something. Mm-hmm. Do I feel good about that transition? Yeah. I do. All right. So first, nerd-diffity. Nerd-diffity number one for me. Uh, when I got like like balls deep in Diablo 2, Lord of Destruction. I mean, not like into it. I mean like hunkered over a compact laptop for 13 to 16 hours a day, exclusively grinding Mephisto runs. You were that kid taped to the ceiling in the LAN party. I was that kid (laughs) taped to the ceiling at the LAN party. I, um, so first and foremost, Diablo served two functions for me. One, it was the first time that I that I ever had played a game, uh not really exclusively on a console at any mm-hmm. length. Console yeah. games were my jam growing up. I was an NES kid, a super NES kid, a Sega, a Sega Genesis kid. Uh video games didn't exist on computers to me. Yeah. Like I tried what was it, Myst at some point when I was like seven, and I thought what fucking drug <laughs> That'll fueled, get you into it. <laughs> yeah. Drug fueled exploration is this. <laughs> When's Riven <ribbon> coming out? <laughs> yeah. And so so I didn't get it. So it was the first PC game that I played, and it's the first time I really got into something outside of a, of a console. And there's just something very nerdy about moving from a console to a PC. That in and of itself is a transition in level of gaming to commit hard to a PC game. The, the second thing for me was that I formed a little bit of a community with, with some great people who you and I still know rather well. The Kevin Ellis, for example. Mm-hmm. We formed a really tight bond because he also would grind – Mephisto runs yeah. for ten hours at a time. Oh yeah, uh, it, you know, and and it became an opportunity for us to really learn about one another. And so, there was this moment where in my life, you know, when I'm uh, 16 years old. I'm a sophomore in high school when I really get into Diablo II: Lord of Destruction. I, I vividly remember buying the battle chest from Best Buy and then rebuying it a year later because mine had functionally worn out. Um, there's this moment in my life where I told myself, now I'm going to start making friends and associating with people because of this kind of niche interest mm-hmm. that, if discussed in a public way, seems kind of weird, and I don't give a fuck about that. <laughs> so, ner- Nerdifany number one for me. Nerdifany number two. And, and this is going to sound weird, given what we just talked about. Nerdifany number two for me was Settlers of Catan. Because it was the first board game I played outside of traditional board games, and I thought, wait a minute, whoa, 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 there's more here than just go around a board and count money. There, oh, yeah. there are decisions and choices that have weight and value. And Which winning. is the value of that game. Absolutely. It's such a gateway into, like, holy crap, multiple win conditions. I'm like, yeah, It's Absolutely. asymmetry. It's so great. So I was just, that guy. I never want to play it again. No, I get that. <laughs> I was that guy, though, who was going to you after I played Settlers for the first time and was like, dude. Let me fuck your shit up with this <laughs> board game, okay? Yeah. And it was Sellers of Catan. Yeah. Um, the reason it was a nerdifany for me twofold here: one, because it moved me out of traditional board games, yeah, and I'm always I've always been a fan of traditional board games. Board games grow up playing Monopoly all the time in the game of life with my mom, so uh, was happy to find something that wasn't that stuff. But two, because that game, because it's a gateway, set me on a path to what other board games. Allow me to do these kinds of things, make decisions, weigh my options, barter, discuss. Um, and not roll and move. Not roll and move. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe have dynamic boards right, yeah. that change the, the strategy of the game from, from, from play to play. Mm-hmm. So big moment for me. It's the, it, it's the thing that got me to my first game shops to look for expansions of Settlers of Catan and then look at the things sitting next to Settlers of Catan. Yeah. And you know now you the three of us sit around and talk about RPGs, which is not something I would ever do, right? That, yeah, exactly. that only starts with Settlers of Catan. Yeah, right? exactly. Third for me, and this one, this is a deep cut, uh, Magic the Gathering is a nerdiphany. Uh Also two reasons. One, because it comes much later in life for me. I didn't get into Magic the Gathering until I was in grad school, so I was 24 when I got into Magic the Gathering. And at 24, you very clearly know that Magic the Gathering is largely played by a bunch of, like, 10- or 11-year-old kids, or at least that's what you think, because it's a card game. And then you get into it, and you start spending all of your disposable income on it, and you start hanging out at card shops and game shops and talking to people Mm -hmm. about other strategies and reading um, blogs about how to build the best decks with the cheapest cards. And come to find out, a lot of your, like, 30- and 40-year-old friends have been playing Magic the Gathering for Thirty years. The Patreon bar is actually going up as you talk about this. Yeah, <laughs> you're welcome. By the way, chops are being licked. <laughs> so, so what? What this was for me? So, Settlers of Catan had kind of had some cutting edge, like this is trendy board gaming, so it's interesting. Magic was like, wait a minute, you're gonna you're gonna go in the face of time, and you're going to commit to something that for the larger portion of your life has been exclusively identified to a subset niche nerd population. Yeah, and you're just gonna own that. You're gonna mm-hmm. put that on your fucking shoulders and give your money to that thing, all right, well, then you're in. And all of these things for me have been exploratory in nature. I'm learning something about myself. I'm learning about things that I like and don't like. But they've also been transitional, transcendental, transformative moments where I've told myself I like more things than I thought I liked, even though those things might not fit in a category that I that I wasn't involved with. Yeah. Those for me are nerdifinies. Okay, so I took a little bit of a different take on it. Sure. Um, so I kind of looked at the geek hierarchy, which is this thing online, and I don't ascribe to it, but it kind of alarms me that there is a geek hierarchy, that you can put, like, Trekkies above furries and, like, call it good.
1: And those are both above furries yeah. who write Star Trek fan fiction with furry self-inserts. Yeah, yeah, self-insert. yeah.
0: And, and, and I get it, but, like, it occurs to me that even among nerds and geeks, which is really a just obsolete term in the first place, which we kind of talked about with the geek social sure. fantasies. Sure. Uh, It's really about a sense of, like, relative scale and contextual distance. Uh, So for me, my dernifity is they occur when I see the greatest, most awe-inspiring vista in which I am so separated from everyone else. I realize that I've gone down a deep, dark social hole uh, of nerdiness, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's my that's my nerdiffines. My nerdiffinies are about scale, mm-hmm. like a sheer a sheer raw scale. Because I always you've kind come of- upon the secret to life in this moment, yeah, and it's nerd. Yes. Uh, so my first one was actually very recently. I was uh, 29. I was helping my parents move into the new place, and we were building a library. Odd enough, considering our area of the country. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And we're building the library, and in building the library, we're taking out all the books from our old house that we, I grew up in mm-hmm. and placing them on these you know uh, uniform shelves so it looks like nice, tasteful life. So we paint the whole thing. We build the shelves. It's like three days of work, and we're finally stacking and organizing the books. And I'm doing this books for days, and my mom reads nothing but mystery novels, like nothing but mystery novels, nothing procedural mysteries. If there's a game – if there's a show where you have an occupation that's not detective and you solve mysteries, she's watching it. <laughs> Um, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But my dad reads a little bit more widely in fantasy He reads more sci-fi stuff He reads some history stuff And I'm unpacking my dad's books And it's just like the fucking opening credits to Gentleman Broncos Like it's nothing but these 60s and 70s Just trippy ass motherfucking sci-fi colors That are in like Technicolor And like everyone's doing acid And yeah Yeah. like Heinlein shit Ursula K. Le Guin And, like, it occurs to me that this is the space in which I grew up my entire life. 29, 28, my parents moved house. I'd lived in the same house till going college. And I just realized, like, it was in the goddamn walls. Like, it was in the fucking (laughs) air we breathed. I had no chance. Like, it was just there from the outset. Like, my parents were, like, secret dweebs in the middle of the Ozarks. And, like, it was always going to occur that way. (laughs) Um, So my other one was... Uh, In second grade, I had to write a short story, and this is probably what led to me being an author. Uh, I had to write a short story for my uh, gifted education class, another near when they put you in the freak class with all the other freak kids. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Um, And I wrote the story, and it got passed around the entire school by the teachers, which I learned about later and was (laughs) terrified, uh, because they were probably making fun of it. But... Uh what it turns out has happened, or at least what they told me, and, you know, God love them for lying if they were making fun of it, because it <laughs> made a writer out of me, was that they were really alarmed at how good it was, because, again, my mom watches nothing but mysteries. Like, Law and Order is on every hour of the day. It also didn't matter that I was in second grade. You know, the rape case... <laughs> Bring out the rape kit. Like, my mom doesn't give a shit. A mystery is on the TV. I'm watching Quincy when I'm like, like, have mm. still chewing my thumbs. So it's like, it was called The Crooked Man, and it was fucking intricate locked room shit. There were secret passageways. A guy, like, dropped a a gun of a caliber that was similar to the gun he used, but not the actual gun he used. And like, all already this sounds of, more interesting than law and order. Yeah. <laughs> just cause I'm just like, that's what I thought of a story is. And like, I don't read mysteries or anything, but I just kind of get the beats intrinsically. Uh, and like, that's another thing when I knew it was, wrong, cause like all the other stories were like, my dog ate, a uh, leaf, mm-hmm. and he was sad, but he's not <laughs> sad anymore. And As a so, mystery novel, it would be who ate the leaf. Yes, the, the dog did. Right, the end. Um, and then the last time was when uh, did you ever do accelerated reader in school? Yeah, the the fucking test where you had to get a certain number of points. Yeah. Uh So I got to where that was the only thing my English department was doing through most of middle school and early high school. And you could do whatever the fuck you wanted as long as you had those points. So we're talking like sixth grade. I'm reading gone with the wind and I'm going to fucking get it because I'm going to pass this test in the first try so I just burned through God with the wind I passed the test, and she's like Caleb why are you reading Animorphs books I'm and I, I'm just like bitch <laughs> I got points for days you can't say shit like if you're gonna have to teach some fucking English if you want me to do anything I'm gonna read some K.A. Applegate suck it mm-hmm. um, and everyone else is like struggling with of mice and men is like I read that when I was in seventh mm-hmm. grade I don't give a shit like I took the test like I'm just trying to get all these fucking AR parts a- and then I'm just reading comic books in class and I realized, you know, far too late, that this makes me a hated target to everyone around me. Yeah, that's the problem, <laughs> is that sometimes you set yourself apart in the wrong direction. And that's the nerdiphany is right. that that I saw that I could get brownie points for being good at reading obscure novels you're not supposed to read at that age. And before thinking about what a social goddamn pariah I would be and how miserable that would make my life, I'm just like, ooh, points for reading The Hobbit. (laughs) And I just chased right after it. And, like, I feel like that's a very nerd aspect. It's just like, oh, I'm enticed by this single aspect. Let me ignore every other ostensibly more important aspect of my life to pursue this fetishistic Need to obsess over this thing, uh, and so that—that's a nerd affinity. Uh, one last question on this: Do you think these things were inevitable, or do you think that you made them happen because this is what you wanted? Uh, ah, that's that's excellent. I do I do say I do err on the side of inevitability because again, literally the walls were made out of this shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, my father plastered our mm-hmm. house.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> like
0: I read Edgar Rice Burroughs in like the fifth grade. Like I'm doing like I'm I'm arguing about but Tarnad's really uh mm-hmm. you know, he's really the Lord of Greystoke. You don't understand. He's not just a savage person. He's a he's a royal in the House of Lord. And like I'm arguing with like <laughs> Caleb some primary school teacher that probably didn't finish college and is there on a provisional degree. About like And then he goes to Mars mm-hmm. Did you read the Mars one With the spiders That get inside And like Yeah I had no chance Like they I, They really set me up
1: You yeah. know, Thanks Stokes The killer was in the house All along I actually have one too Okay um, so in Wait, you're a nerd? Yeah, weird. The guy who did, <laughs> who started boys. a role playing game podcast.
0: <laughs> is that is that the one? Yeah, is that the one? <laughs> no,
1: this is way before this. This is actually elementary school as well. Uh, because somehow back then I got my hands on a role playing game. Uh, not D&D, but Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Other Strangeness. Holla. Yeah, Yeah, okay, uh, no, Palladium no, System don't, Game. No,
0: don't do it. You no, don't know what you're talking about. Just step off. Wow. So, let it, just wow. let it go.
1: <laughs> I brought it to school, and we had an assignment that we had to write a list of words, and like, the first word had to start with A, the second w- word had to start with B, and so on. And the thing about this book, this RPG, is that there's a list of weapons in the back, and most of them are like martial arts weapons. <laughs> so I put like D is for Dasho which is the great sword of the samurai In uh, is for Naganta which is like their spear uh, you know uh, how'd that go that people just like what the hell like even the te- especially the teachers like I have no idea what any of those words are she's a mandated reporter man. yeah <laughs> Somebody got called about that uh, Well, yeah uh, My parents were called But that was rather other things, Man, you so. guys both
0: had, You guys had nerdifanies in elementary school
1: Yeah Oh, yeah I had no chance I huh. had some
0: early nerdifanies I was too busy being popular Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Playing soccer Well, fuck you, Spencer I need another beer Yeah, you do What are you drinking? I am drinking Una Brews Blanche de Chambly. Mm. Help me out oh. if I screwed up that pronunciation. No, you definitely screwed that up. Yeah. That's not the question, right? Uh, yeah. yeah, that's definitely true. Uh, it is a white ale uh, with coriander and orange peel. Mm. Uh, and it's a solid Adam West. Adam's getting a lot of play tonight. It's, mm. it's a th- I would drink it again. I would imagine that Adam West got a lot of play most nights in the 60s. Yeah. Uh, maybe into the 70s even. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There was a
1: nightclub uh, themed after the 60s Batman in San Francisco. Fuck you, seriously? Yeah.
0: God, yeah, I mean, I'm guessing it's Where, closed. You didn't have to say in yeah. San Francisco. <laughs> yeah, no, I got that. Yeah. <laughs> I was more just generally interested that, that was true. Yeah. yeah. Uh so yeah what are we going to talk about All right so segment 3 tonight is Binge Benger mm. I also believe that this was a user generated question correct Yes yeah, so this was actually a question in Ask Mixed 6 but it was so clearly a segment question So clearly that uh, I thought I would help Ethan Cordroy out uh thank you for your suggestion and throw it in a Binge Benger because Ethan's concerned that in this golden age of television, in which we've lived for quite some time... We got TV on TV Sopranos on TV. onward, really. Uh, I mean, yeah, mm. it's, only, it's only kind of peak. That's an, yeah, that's an interesting that's, I mean, milestone. maybe when did it start might right. be another uh, yeah. segment. But when you're spoiled for choice regarding TV... Yeah, good TV is everywhere. Uh, what are your strategies for actually investing that time... And a show uh, And also listeners, start your clocks to see how long it takes for Spencer to mention Arrow Whoa, <laughs> whoa We've hit every episode so far, whoa. okay they're, they're really waiting for it Shots fired <laughs> Which is something that someone might say after Arrow fires his bow and and Arrow stop your clocks Stop your clocks 11 seconds <laughs> Drink uh, Okay, so I had, to, I had to think really hard about this one because I, I am a binger by nature Hence, binge binger That's what I do uh, and so i don 't really care for like sure, there are some TVs that we DV, TV shows that we DVR, and we watch them when they 're on, but my preferred method of viewing at this point is to wait for a couple seasons of a thing to come out and then to just waste lose a couple days, days to it yeah waste days um, so here 's what i 've come up with i 've come up with three rules for making decisions strategic decisions about what to watch. How did you approach this? Uh, I I approach it to my like my own life. I really think you got to make it work for your your individual schedule and right. your individual watching habits. Like I I could totally be a b- binger like you and yep. have preferred to do it that way. But uh, somebody in the house, right. uh, Sarah, Sarah, <laughs> uh, she really can't handle more than a couple episodes or something. For she's just got to turn it off and do something else. So yeah, she's a quitter. Generally. She is a quitter. Right. That does not bode well for you, buddy. Does she listen to this? Damn. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 Uh, she does. Tell her not I am to in listen trouble to trouble like two months eight. from now. Right. Um, but anyway, uh, I think you've got to uh, situate it around your life. Yeah. The first thing that uh, occurred to me is that even though you're making a large investment of in time, and even though this is typically a rule when consuming new media in an area a spoiled of new media, is that uh, you can't judge on the first episode. I feel like you need oh, more you're not a first episode. Type. I feel like you need more than a pilot before mm-hmm. you hit it or quit it. And I, if you do hit if you do quit it after a first episode, I think you at least need to do some research on that cuz there are a lot of shows that take longer than a first episode to build up. God, I'm so excited for your next beer. Uh anyway, I just saw the facial expression and you are in for a treat, listeners. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh What I am concerned about, uh, in that it's like, uh, The Wire is very good, but the second season takes a dip. If you quit in the second season, you miss the best seasons coming up next. Or like, Parks and Rec doesn't get good until like season two. That's totally true. Like, and it's one of my favorite shows I've ever freaking seen. Uh, and a lot of shows just need some run-up time because it's the pilot. Like, it's pre-producer note. They're not Mm going to throw that pilot away. So like, the show may be something different. So, I think you at least got to get a couple episodes into something before you really commit to it. I'm not going to lie to you. I have quit more shows than you've probably made it through the first three episodes is what I'm starting to learn about you. So, like, I am a – if the first one isn't great, it might get a second one, but it's probably not getting a second one. And I will I will say that if the first one isn't great, I understand quitting that. But what I always do is I look it up before I quit it after the first episode. Oh, okay. Right. Like – because like Parks and Rec if you look online there's a ton of people for the love of God started season two like it's going to change your life I refuse to do I refuse to do that shit yeah but if I know that by season two it's going to be life changing I will stomach Mm. a season one like I I will I will staunch through that nope I have started It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia four times and I've gotten three episodes in and I'm like guys this is just yelling like it's just (laughs) it's just depressing fuck ups yelling at each other and people are like well just get to devito and it's like well if devito were here maybe we'd be having a different conversation but i refuse to skip things because i'm a completionist so i'm not i'm not going to sit through however fucking many more there are of this to get to devito who i assume based on the theme of the show is also just fucking yelling uh he's quieter but he's still awful okay uh but yeah um I I like that show But I also have not Watched all of it I think we're really Talking about completion
1: Like show to Yeah
0: Shows to eat
1: whole Like a snake What about in order too
0: Yeah in order is Very important Yeah definitely in order What are you a monster (laughs) Well okay so actually let Let me tell you The in order problem So I have three rules Uh I won't do them in order now. I'll do the in order issue at, 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 at this point because that's what we're talking about. So one of my rules is, does this show in any way relate to, either in universe or chronology order, something that I've already really loved? So, for example, I think Young Justice is like one of the five or ten best shows on Netflix. It's so fucking good. It's fucking phenomenal. It has no business being that good. It is a cartoon about the DC universe youngins. And it's mind-numbingly good, okay? I've watched the first two seasons twice because there's not a third season, which I also, at this point, would have watched twice, all (laughs) right? But I can't. It's coming, though. So, because I have to wait for season three of Young Justice, I'm like, well, there are other DC cartoons on Netflix. For example, Justice League Unlimited. So, if you liked this. So, you're, you're a big algorithm guy. Uh, maybe. Personal algorithm. Personal algorithm, algorithm yeah. yeah. Because I see what the Netflix algorithm things give me, and I'm like, the fuck, Netflix? But here's the thing. If you can make the connection, you can also like it. That's right. Because, to be fair, Brandy watches a lot of Friends on our Netflix account. And I watch a lot of DC comic book hero things, like Arrow drink or, uh, or cartoons. So my, my thought is at this point, Netflix either thinks I'm a 30-year-old woman or an 11-year-old boy. Oh, my Netflix algorithm is fucked, son. Yeah. I'm sorry, It's, it's ruined. Sarah watches some goddamn... Weird historical documentaries <laughs> And then I have Tom Cove's over in House hits and so it's nothing but fucking 80's Monsters movies and then It has no fucking idea what's right. going on with me It's like you like Sister Wives and The Thing right. so it's, it, it doesn't know and then Netflix explodes and yeah. I have to buy a new piece. A couple weeks ago Netflix, So you're not
1: using profiles that like they want you to? <laughs> no
0: a couple weeks ago Netflix was like suggestion for you Gilmore Girls and I was like fuck you Netflix <laughs> You
1: made the right but choice But then
0: I thought about it and I was like well to. Be be fair i mean we've thrown eight darts in nine different directions so they <laughs> yeah. just went with their thing they I gave it a that. shot so rule number one well rule number three for me is actually relationship to existing favorites if i can draw a line between something that i really liked and you either exist in the same universe or you're so closely related in premise and or interest level like general topic i'm willing to play your game uh, another rule for me is bingeability. And this is really, really important to me. If I can't binge you, I'm not watching you. So... I do have that problem with things like Breaking Bad. Uh, that was the show I was One going to talk episode, about. One episode, I need to be in a fetal position and crying, and I cannot do 80 of them. One day, I watched Breaking. I watched eight episodes of Breaking Bad, and three years later, I stopped being clinically depressed. It's <laughs> how I feel about Breaking Bad. Yeah. So generally, and I feel the same way about The Walking Dead. So I watched the first three seasons of The Walking Dead in like a pretty short amount of time because I was in grad school, and this is what you do because Lord knows you're not actually going to work on grad school things. Yeah. And I've not watched another episode of The Walking Dead in like four years. You're okay. I'm okay. Generally, if the premise of your show is at some critical point, things could either get better or worse, they always get worse. I can't watch more than one or two episodes at a time, and I'm not watching. I can't binge. That kind of touches one of my rules, which is, all right, you're into it. You've given it a couple of episodes, and you've started enjoying things. Don't go all in yet. Because you're in an age of golden TV, and this might not be coming out right now. This might be out. You do research again, so you build some buffers. Well, you know what, man? Had fucking Netflix existed when Lost came out, I would have saved a lot of my fucking life. Mm, true. Like, or Dexter. You, yeah, you want to talk about? Yeah, you you want to talk about like, great first episodes? Great first season. The first season of Dexter is like one of my all time favorite. It is seasons of TV. untouchably good. I met my wife because of the first season of Dexter. Like it's it's great, and then it gets kind of shitty. And then it gets a little less shitty, and then it's fantastic again, and then it goes off the and then goddamn it kicks rails. Kicks you in the scrotum, and then you know, lost. You start to think maybe they're never going to fucking figure this out. And you know what? There, it, had I waited a few years for that backlog, right. I could have gone to Google and realized, yeah, they never figured they, that shit they out. They quit, and too. I could have saved myself a shit ton of time. Uh, so, like, you got to know when to jump ship. Like, True Detective season one. Amazing. Perfect. I've watched it like five times. Perfect season of I'll television. Say it, right here. it is the most perfect uh with some exception for Stranger Things, which I've now watched four times. Yes, yes. True Detective is the most perfect season of television I've ever watched. Season? The first season. Season two, episode one, I knew it was time to leave. Yep. I knew it was like, oh, wait, no, it wasn't about toxic masculinity and how it ruins your life. It just hates women. Yep. I will go elsewhere. You know what killed it for uh, me at the beginning of season two? The, the best 30 seconds in that whole pilot was Vince Vaughn doing something actory. And I was like, absolutely. You've not. made a mistake. Yes. No. <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah. HBO. Um, so here's my only other rule. So binge relationship. Don't commit too early. Right, that's model, model. I really like that because uh, I'm a. I'm gonna I'm gonna cut you after episode one if I don't like episode one. But if I like episode one, I've already signed up in my head for ten episodes. So I kind of like where you are on this. Right? Yeah, if you're looking for my algorithm here, yeah, you need to aim to make episode like three, four, five, just fucking just bang really great, just fucking banging. Love And that. that's when you can commit. That's when I'll commit. to you. Here's the only other rule that I have, and I I know that I'm a subjective creature because I'm a human. Uh, a lot of my choice-based strategies around television are mood. So do I want to watch something fun that I can have little commitment to? I can walk around the house. I can do other things. I can play with the dog. I want something in the background like Justice League Unlimited, for example. Oh, I totally, like, I'm totally with you on this. I don't know, need to intimately know every detail of everything that's happening in Justice League Unlimited. Alternatively, uh, I just started Netflix's Travelers. I feel like if I miss something in one of the episodes of Travelers, six episodes later, shit's going to be really weird for me. And so do I want to do something playful, carefree? I will put The Office on in the background for days or Parks and Rec and not give a fuck about the world. Or do I want something that I'm I'm committed to, I'm going to put my phone away, I'm going to make sure that there's nothing going on around me and I want to deeply engage with? I'm so with you on this. Yep. When I pick a show, it needs a physical space in my life. Absolutely. Is this a show I watch while I'm eating? Is this a show when I watch when I came home yep. and I need some fucking internet time because I just got off work yep. and I don't want to pay attention? If this is a show after I'm done eating, after I've talked with Sarah, after I'm done interneting, and I want to like seriously pay attention, yeah, to. like almost event television. Yeah, like this, this is. is this a show I'm, I'm, I'm reserving now. a Saturday for Absolutely. that? Like I'm going to cut a whole day of my week out of to yep. binge watch. Like, and if it can't, if I can't see a time in the day that I'm going to watch this thing. I can't fit it in my schedule. Right. I don't want to commit to it. Like, yeah. So the nice thing about, for example, Westworld, right? And I was I was late to the Westworld game. But once I got into the Westworld game, you know, Brandy was out of town for a couple of days. I didn't have any plans. I could spend a day and just get through the bulk of Westworld, which mm-hmm. is perfect. Because yeah. once I watched episode four or whatever that morning, I was like, well, this is it. You yeah, know, you're this, fucking committed This is by the that. fucking and day. Speaking of episode four, like, by that time, Westworld right. is... Cooking with gas, yeah. and you are you are all in. Now this is a really good rule. I'm I'm going to add this like don't commit thing because I am kind of a all in or all out type of type of binger. So I guess so my three rules then to kind of summarize for Ethan, who I know is deeply concerned with this issue. Yeah, it's bingeability, mood. Level of commitment I'm willing to give or wanting to give. Yeah. Because sometimes I want some, I want a long project and sometimes I want 30 minutes of shit and then I'll never look at it again. Exactly. And then a relationship to existing favorites. So does it fit neatly in a constellation for me? Yeah. Those are my rules. And I'm very much uh, don't give up too quick. Don't commit too early. And when are you going to watch this in your life? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. if you can't imagine the time of day, you are probably not going to watch it. I think that's brilliant. Uh, so brilliant that I'm going to get another beer and drink to it. All right. Spencer what are you drinking right, hold on
1: <laughs> that was a grimace
0: okay <clears throat> all right this is a this is a collaboration between two roads and evil twin which I feel terrible about because I'm about I'm about to to take down what I think are two what, probably, what's the name of the beer? really wonderful breweries. you skipped over the name of the beer. <laughs> yeah it's it's the Pachamama Porter describe it <sighs> okay so here's what the can says Here, here's the lie <laughs> Ale brewed with sweet potatoes, purple maize, and chili peppers. Which feels like it feels like, hey, I bet you can't. And then someone said, "Hold my beer," and made this. So, here's what I'll say about this: one, I wouldn't recommend that you drink it. It's uh, it's probably not a Ben Affleck for me because it's not like scraping the bottom of the barrel. Worst thing I've ever tasted. It does have a distinctly not-good Indian restaurant scent taste to it, (laughs) so so it is that's not a one it is well no because i happen to like the smell of indian restaurants i just don't want to but drink them no it has a not good indian restaurant yeah. like a, it has the smell of a gross yeah health inspection not a indian restaurant i would go to <laughs> yeah. i think okay. it's the sweet potato maybe it's an old version of this beer i don't know but it's a hard val kilmer for me it's like so you look at the can and you're like i don't know it could be a good batman and then you watch the movie and you're like that was a fucking terrible batman is like a kiss by a rose Oh, I'm not bringing Seal into this, man. Absolutely not. And shame on you. Shame on you, Caleb. Uh, what are we talking about? Why well, choke this down? All right. Uh, we are in Ask Mix 6. Uh, and Stephen Lee asks Caleb has made frequent reference to the gulf between himself ideologically and culturally and his community slash state. I don't know what you're talking about, Steven. Um, Do you find it difficult living in a place where the consensus is far removed from your values? Have you considered moving to a city-state country more aligned to you? Any thoughts on this topic would be interesting to me. And I thought you were quite eloquent in wording this uh, question, Absolutely. Steven. So uh, I'm excited to talk about it. I also it want here. to say kudos to Stephen. He interacts with us regularly on all forms of media, yeah. uh, on the Patreon, on Twitter. A conscientious patron. He really is, and I appreciate that. So thank you, A, for the interaction, B, mm-hmm. for the support, and C, for this really wonderful question. I think this is interesting uh, and worth talking about having consumed an 11% beer. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to kick it off then by saying, so, Caleb you've lived in an area that probably for the bulk of your time here did not necessarily reflect your values. Uh, what's that been like? Well, I think the first thing we should talk about is why I live here and I'd want to make it clear, never a choice. Uh, Hmm. born in Missouri, family raised in Missouri. Uh, uh, Sarah said, upon first meeting my parents, Where did you come from? The first time she came to my house uh, and saw, at like, say, the gas station, uh, Crazy Hicks, you know, catcalling her. Uh, and then they threw a Osama bin Laden themed condom at her. Mm. And that's basically my hometown. Hmm. Huh. Uh, it wasn't used, it was still in a wrapper. Uh-huh. So, and ironic given that, you know, birth control yeah 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 uh but yeah so that's the kind of place i live and it's not like my parents felt well, my parents are very good people again Heinlein and you know burroughs and ursul the you know, stokes seem great one of the great misfortunes of my life is that you've met my family and i've never met yours oh come on by anytime right. we have a compound now uh so yeah never mind <laughs> i'm good uh but my dad is a leftist survivalist and it's Just unique to see him exist in the world. He's like, I'm really for social progress. Your dad just got on a list. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So... Never my choice, and then um, we aren't a well-to-do family, so I went to, uh, I originally got into Duke, but we had some financial problems, uh, so my plan to GTFO did not go through, Uh, and so I went to the school where I could get the most money uh, that was nearby, Uh, I worked my way all the way through school, and then um, at that point it became, moved to an even more obscure community, even less attuned to my values, a.k.a. a military base, Or stick around for grad school at that same school, Uh, which I did so because I was with Sarah and I didn't want to lose that. And then after that point, Sarah was still in grad school. Get a job nearby or lose the woman you love. Sure. And, you know, it just sort of, you know, inertia here. I'm glad I live here. I have great friends here. Uh, I've built a life here. But I think it's clear to point, like, I'm not stupid. I didn't, like, look at myself. And then look at the Ozarks and see, yeah, that's the place to be. Like that's the one for me. If I had to go anywhere in the world, I'm gonna put my pen in there in the map. I didn't. That was it. Was there, a conscious decision. Was Nary. Ever made right, uh, so I think that's clear to point out, and I think that's true of a lot of people who live in communities that aren't necessarily values. Because I should also mention my privilege here: I'm straight, I'm white, mm-hmm. I'm male. Mm-hmm. Holy shit, this gets so much worse as a question. Like yeah. this gets into some dark places. Absolutely, yeah. You know, I, don't, I I have a kind of a different rendering of the whole thing, which is interesting because I feel like we're so aligned on so many things, but this is a choice for me, which I guess is kind of weird. So, um, I was in this community for a long time. And then I left this community, and yes. I went I went to school outside of this community, and I actually went to Lawrence, Kansas, which is very much a place that feels like my values, which felt very much like I fit in. And I applied for a number of jobs that were not here, um, some in places that were very much in line with, I guess, whatever my values are. Um, and I got a couple of offers, and I just wasn't jazzed about any of those offers. And then I got an offer to move back here and work at my alma mater and be mm-hmm. a professor here. And like the whole idea seemed weird to me at first, because when I was... 20 and 22 and even you know into 24 the idea of being in this community was almost um uh it well it just didn't fit with me i mean i guess you know to, to your point it just felt like you know the community was going one way and i was going another way and so the whole notion of coming back here was odd to me yeah but i liked the job offer quite a bit brand you know my wife grew up here for the most part so she was not uncomfortable with the idea of moving back and i and i will say this for as Misaligned as I felt, my values and community values were 10 years ago when I 12, shit, 13 years ago when I moved here for the first time. And you were my R.A., nonetheless.: Yes. I feel like that through the work of some really uh, great individuals in this community, there have been exceptional strides in pulling this community in a direction that it was not going, and for you know for some personal bias, in a direction that seems more in line with some of my community values. Now, not all of them. I'm not crazy about some of the things that have happened in this, in this city over the last couple of years, but I also think that this is a city more ripe to accept some of the things I wanted this city to accept 13 years ago when I got here than it ever has been. So one of the ways, Stephen, to answer your question is, I can reconcile living in a community that probably isn't totally in line with my values two of the ways one is not being spiteful or hateful about it because that gets you nowhere rather accepting that difference is difference and some difference I don't agree with and some difference I do understand and agree with and that's okay. But to be angry or bitter or spiteful about it gets us nowhere the other other part of that strategy and the second answer to question for me is. Find groups of people who are actively working to move the community in a direction that you like and then be a part of that thing. And so I've been really fortunate in my my job now and my previous job to work with great people who are doing cool things, to open up really cool bars, to make really progressive stances on social issues, to put themselves in a public spotlight, to be able to push for things that I think are really significant things and could move the community forward in a way that I would like to see the community go. So part of it is... Uh, don't disengage, don't get angry, uh, find the right areas to participate or the right people to support. And that's been a really useful way for me to live in a community that, when I got here, was not a community that I would have probably chosen to be a part of in some weird way. Yeah, and I can't put it all onto fate either. I imagine there's some element of me that wants to be here. Yeah. Or, or I, I mean, I at least like to think if I was really motivated, I could get out. Uh, but, I mean, to be honest, like I've been in public education for over a decade now, and I don't think it's any kind of job any of my teachers or any of my friends would have ever placed me in after first meeting me. Yeah. Um, high school and school was certainly not an enjoyable experience for me in any way, shape, or form. Um, and in a lot of ways, like I, I want to punch above the weight of like telling people where commas go. I right. want to talk about some deeper, I want to have a podcast about beer and philosophy and sure. shit. <clears throat> um, but at the same time, um, I feel like, and I don't really have the language for this, which is the problem. But I'm, I'm, I'm trying to. Yeah, you're, oh, that beer is. Terrible. This beer is not fun to drink. I appreciate your experimentation. God bless you for trying. You sure? You sure it's not an affleck? Stop it. Okay, just put the pencil down because it and looks make... like a beer that's asking you, "Do you bleed?" Um, <laughs> It has a thing about it. A thing. <laughs> uh huh. Anyway, as I was saying, yeah. uh, I'm not sure I have the language with it, but I've always been very skeptical of, like, I guess what I'm seeing it online now is called in, internal immigrants. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. you're in a place that is not viable to you, and so you retreat. Right. Even if you can't retreat physically, you just cease engaging with it. Yeah. And I think one of the reasons I went to public education, instead of academia, which, I mean, I'm not tooting my own home. I feel like I could have made it in academia. Sure. If I wanted to slug it out. You could have, well, if you wanted to move constantly. and Yeah. Slug, and, and that's just the nature of it. It's not right. a matter of, like being good enough like uh we're we're just, good enough it's just do you want to you know play game of thrones right. with a bunch of yeah it just it just wasn't it wasn't a world from here you know, professors. my problem my problem was it was high, it was it was a high level of self management and mm-hmm. frankly i'm fucking terrible at that because you know what i could be doing other than writing uh you know a paper for publication playing fucking destiny yeah so exactly yeah um I will say this. So, but I feel like I went into the public education fear because, like, I was very concerned about like moving into that space. At least in any kind of way I could imagine myself operating in that space, in right. like a creative, creative writing professor, basically would have would have been. I mean, what am I fucking contributing? I'm teaching creative writing classes to kids who already know they want to write. Right. I'm teaching to kids who are already going to get into college, yeah. who already have some probably good future to them. And I'm not saying a college professor doesn't have impact. But I am saying, like, it's not a trench. Like, you're not life saving. And like, I've certainly become more jaded about public education since then. Uh, but I still fundamentally believe in what I'm doing. Sure. And even though I fail. 99% 99% of the time and right. economics and political forces went out I'm always there like yeah. even if it's not working even if no one wants my help I'm always there I'm always available and I think at some part like I need to pat myself on the back I need to base my identity based on that so like yeah. one thing I will say about living in a antagonistic community a community that does not share your values is like at least your work matters it matters more there just by by sheer scarcity, the economics of your values, like they are more sure. valuable here i do think so two things about what you've just said. the first is <clears throat> I do think that that really good college professors do matter yeah i do yeah. and i i uh, i 've had good ones one of the things i wanted i've had life changing ones uh, me too uh, but and, i didn 't think I could be a life changing one that's the thing I thought I could be a life changing something else I got out because i'd seen good life changing college professors. Um, and I knew that I was never going to have the work ethic to be those people. And if I wasn't going to be that, what was I going to be? So I left. Because yeah. I, if I knew I knew if I didn't have the drive to be that, then I probably wasn't going to do a very good, <clears throat> very good job. Two, I'll say this for this community and, and the direction it's going. And I'm not, you know, I, when I was 22, I was bitter. When you met me, I was bitter. I was oh, 18. real bad. I was bitter. And I was entitled. Uh, and I'm still a lot of those things, I guess. But I was way worse about it. You know, age has been good for me in so many ways. Um, I feel I feel some of those things still I think all people do, but you know, last week one of our, our local publication, um Four One Seven Magazine, yeah. which is a great publication, and Biz Four One Seven, now their business publication, they hosted a a Think Summit, which is a day day long compilation of TED Talks. And they invited me in to moderate a debate between a progressive pastor and a former state legislator, um, about about how to reconcile the relationship between church values and public policy. Mm-hmm. That is not a conversation that this community would have tolerated, I think, 15 years ago. I don't think it would have tolerated it five years ago. No. And so I see these things, and I see, I see these really prominent members of the community with some flagship standing pushing towards change. Uh, and and, and not, change, not that change is good or bad um, in either of those settings, but rather that there are people asking critical questions about the nature of community values. Uh, I, I think that's progress. And so participating in that, rather than being bitter, rather than being entitled, rather than assuming you're above the fray, yeah. uh, is is a much better approach to reconciling how you feel and how you think the community ought feel. Yeah. Yeah. Fair? Agreed. Okay. You should get another beer, mostly because at this point I want to steal your beer so <laughs> I have something else to drink. <laughs> okay. Caleb, I, I just had a horrible beer experience. Well, horrible is a strong term. I just had a not great beer experience. How's your beer experience right Twice now? Twice as good. Uh, so this is definitely going to be a uh, Christian Bale. Christian Bale. Some a motherfucking four. Christian Bale. Wow. Um, I am drinking a Big Sky Brewing Moose Drool Brown Ale. Um, and uh, I if I'm going to get a brown ale, and I'm not looking to experiment with a different brown ale. Uh-huh. I'm going to get a moose trail. It's going to win out. That's your go-to. Yeah, it's my go-to brown ale. Brown that's ale a- is not a five because I'm not fives for brown ales. Right, but uh, it's definitely a uh, it's it's definitely a Batman Begins for me in terms of uh, brown ales. I just yeah. want to take a moment after some beer and I want to celebrate how how well you've embraced the whole rating system because that's exactly what it is. Yeah, like Batman Begins for me, it's like. You know what? I just got home. It's been a long day. I want to watch a fucking Batman movie. Yeah. It's going to be Batman Begins. And if you just replace that sentence with, I, you know what? I got a long day. I want a brown ale. Yeah. It's going to be a moose drink. Well, of course you replace the sentence. That's the point of the metaphorical yeah, yeah, rating system, yeah, Caleb. I, I know how they work. You teach English? I just want everyone to know I know how metaphor Jesus works, okay? Christ. Tell your friends. Now I get why you wouldn't make it in academia, <laughs> all right?
1: Are we going to get bumper stickers? Caleb. He knows how metaphors work.
0: Yeah. Caleb, <laughs> metaphor? <laughs> um... Okay, well, let me, let me talk a little bit about this next segment then. So we're back to Pro Drinker. And as you reminded me as we were prepping for this segment, the first segment we ever did was Pro Drinker. That was like 37 segments ago now yeah. in the course of this podcast. 40 segments ago. I feel like reminding us segments exist is going to be a running theme as the podcast continues. <laughs> oh, absolutely. We're not doing is. great things to our memory here. <laughs> no, correct. Or livers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we're doing Pro Drinker, and, and tonight we're going to talk about shame beers. Yeah, this is a sort of a fusion topic. Yep. So Adam L., uh, in suggesting a subtopic... Suggested we talk about our top three secret shames. Uh, Didn't want to go so deep into my browser history or anything like that. So to tone that down a bit, Joe DP, in the same subtopic suggestions, said, Top beer you're ashamed to say you like. So let's bring them together and let's do top three secret shame beers. Love it. I love it. I love exposing myself. Bear life, as it were, <laughs> for all to see regarding alcohol. So here we go. He's I'm taking a off a r- robe in the studio right now. People. <laughs> I am. I absolutely am. Totally buffalo. I am now, the, I am now Rose from the Titanic <laughs> while I talk to you about it's Corona. Like a- Silence that lands. Oh, 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 I love Corona so much, <laughs> yeah. I couldn't even call it a shame, but I want to hear this. I love Corona more than you love anything. Okay? <laughs> a. Here's we've, my- we've drank a lot of Corona. It That's absolutely right. We have a because stupefying- corona, corona is for getting drunk. So here's the thing. If you're a Mexican restaurant and you serve me a bucket of Coronas, you're my new favorite Mexican restaurant. Yes. But every time I order a Corona... Anywhere, but especially at Mexican restaurants, people look at me and they're like, but we've got Dos Equis on tap. We have Tecate. And I'm like, oh, interesting, because I said Corona, motherfucker. (laughs) Corona has become like the bush light of Mexican beers. And I don't understand that because I think Corona is the lifeblood of drunk. Okay. (laughs) It's so good. Now you bring me a Corona light, you're out of my life for good. Okay. (laughs) Fair enough. Yeah. But you give me a Corona with a lime ball game. In fact, in grad school, I had a, I had a group of friends who were just the greatest people, you know, the Zach Wagners, the Chelsea Grahams, the Mark Wanakots, the Nathan Webbs of the world. You're all welcome, all right? And for those of you who aren't on Patreon, now you can support me, all right? <laughs> we would plan entire days around getting our shit done on a Thursday. So on Friday, if we weren't teaching, we could go to a Mexican restaurant and sit outside and just order buckets of Corona. This doesn't sound like a shame beer so much as like an emphatic endorsement of Corona. So it's emphatic, but it's but but in, in which I'm behind. Don't its, get me wrong, right? In its emphasis, all right. <laughs> I recognize that I'm also drinking the thing that most people describe as Mexican piss water. Yes, and, and that there are probably, in terms of quality, better uh, Mexican. <laughs> There's feed. no probably, right? They're yeah. definitely all, are. <laughs> all except for Land Shark. All of them are better. All right, okay. I understand that. And yet, oh, man, I didn't even think about Landshark. Of course you didn't, because it tastes like a buttery Corona, and no one oh, wants that. That might be on my list, though. Yeah. I like a good Landshark. <laughs> you like a good Landshark until you throw up a good Landshark or five. <laughs> so, the problem, so, so for me, Corona is I'm all in, but I also understand every time I order it, people look at me and they're like, Corona? But there are so many better options. Okay. Get, I just ordered a Corona. I'm not worried about better options, folks. All right? Get your life right. All right. Uh, mine's going to be PBR. So look. I was unemployed for a minute there, and by a minute, I mean like two years, and I have tried every shit beer, like I've I've drank Miller, I've drank Ice House, like I've been through the ringer, all right? I've had them all. Um, nothing is more drinkable, and nothing produces a... Less extreme hangover. A hangover that I need, because I was unemployed for like two years, than a PBR. And I get that hipsters have stolen it from me Actually, and PBR- other working class blue collar people. But don't look at me like I got a twirly mustache and tight jeans on. I'm drinking it because it's cheap. I'm drinking it because it's drinkable. And I was here first, and fuck you. So like, <laughs> interestingly, I was talking to a, a marketing exec from PBR, PBR a few years ago. I was interviewing them for a job with one of my clients when I was a consultant. And what that person said to me was, "PBR came to us as a marketing department, and functionally said, "We want to we, don't want, we want to develop hipsters. We don't want hipsters to develop us." So PBR wasn't stolen by hipsters. PBR stole hipsters. And you know what? According to PBR. And you know what? Okay. I get it. And I also can't get it anymore in most places because they've upped the price for fucking hipsters. Absurdly. Absurdly. So there are still places that price it like a shit beer that it is. And I will occasionally get one. But everyone looks at me like I'm a hipster. And I have to, like, do it. But, like, you know what? Sometimes I just want black peasant bread. I just. I want the taste of home and, like,. (laughs) And that's it and I'm I'm not trying to fucking be performative for you. I want to taste the PBR. I guess so that. keep your judgments to yourself. Here's the thing about PBR for me. PBR tastes so like Bush Light, which to me is, you know, one of the god's gifts of beers. Um, and when you pour a Bush Light out too quickly, it gets a little bit of a head or a froth to it. PBR to me tastes like if you poured it out too quickly, on the top of it is not a head or a froth, but it's just spit. That's what PBR <laughs> tastes like to me. So I don't drink it. I didn't say it was good Right right. No I get that Number two for me This is weird I know this isn't Something I should be ashamed of But it just feels like It's no longer part of The mainstream beer drinking thing And so when I order it People are like Are you sure Because there's another version Bud heavy like just a good old fashioned Budweiser, all right? Yeah. So, so here I am. That red and white can. That red and white can. You know you mean business when you get it out. It's Captain American. Okay. <laughs> so, but here's the thing for me. Uh, look, I'm on a podcast where we sample like craft beers and we talk about how good they are using like like pop culture ephemera. Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, if you gave me the choice between a Bud Light and a Bud Heavy, or really any other domestic beer and a Bud Heavy, Bud Heavy, I'm taking a Bud Heavy. I fucking love the taste of just flat out regular, no weird shit Budweiser, and it and it's one of the few beers that doesn't get worse as it gets warmer. Yeah. So like if I drink Bud Light it cold, tastes like the same shit. That's right, regardless of temperature. Bud, <laughs> Bud Light cold is great because it just tastes like water with a little bit of beer. Yeah. Bud Light warm tastes like water with a little bit of beer and a lot of vomit and like a tiny amount of piss on top. <laughs> Bud Heavy though tastes the exact fucking same at 200 degrees and -40 degrees. A Bud, a Bud Heavy Icicle and a Bud Heavy Super. Thermal Solar Superstar would taste the exact same to me and yeah. I fucking love that about Bud Heavy. But the weird thing is 4 times out of 5, if I order Bud Heavy in a restaurant, either either someone sitting with me or the wait staff will say are you did you did you mean Bud Light? No, I didn't. Fuck you. I said Bud Heavy cuz I meant Bud Heavy. And so I can't include any Budweiser product as a shame list because I am from nearer St. Louis. Sure. And Budweiser is unquestionable of any type. Yeah. Like, no one's going to judge I it get that. As long as it comes from Anheuser-Busch. Right. Uh, so I couldn't put it on my list. Uh, but I get where you're coming from. My shame beer that goes too far in the direction. So PBR, you probably think I'm more affluent than I am. You think I'm a hipster, like, Slime? <laughs> I assure you, when you said PBR, I did not think you were affluent. Okay. okay. I understand. Uh, my other one, way too far in the other direction. Stag, oh, I like a good stag, and the fact that I'm drinking it, not wearing a Carhartt, and not using it to not using the empty cans to spit my chaw into, is probably alarming to most people who see me. But again, during the dark times, you need a beer that can get you through. That'll make you drink, and I I love a good stag, like. I will buy a six-pack of stag to this day. I don't know what to do with you right <laughs> now. I'm going to be completely honest. Hey, it's a secret shame beer. I'm sorry that I'm following the fucking prompt I've again, ne- Spencer. I, I've never fucking seen you. So it must be very. I've never fucking seen you drink a stag. Is that how synchronous You don't want to admit to even me that you uh, will drink that. I morning? need to be alone when I drink a stag. Wow. Yeah, I don't drink a stag. This got dark no I, I this was a scott snyder version <laughs> you drink a drink. stag like when you need to sit on the porch and look at the stars like that's that's when you have a good stag my god and or, or uh, where did my life go right you sound like tommy lee jones okay, and so, men in Black. so look uh it's more of a tommy lee jones and no country for old Men <laughs> situation um stag was after you left stag you were mm. in grad school Somewhere i was at the else. house yeah shit was getting dark yeah Grad school was rough, yeah, and you know what? There was a lot of people drinking PBR in the grad school department, whom I hated, yeah, uh, and I needed something to differentiate. That Fair. was equally cheap, and Fair. that was a stag. All right, uh, so yeah, I like a good stag. All right, so my third one, I kind of took a different approach for two reasons. One, I I don't really have a lot of shame about drinking anything. I mean, because awesome, yeah. Um, so my my second thought was. What are things that I'm shamed for not drinking? So, what is a beer that everyone around me fucking raves about? And I taste it, and I'm like, I don't know. Okay, and there are two. Rogue's Dead Guy, which everyone fucking loves. And I and listen, I think Rogue Brewery is the bee's knees. I've been out to Oregon twice. I've gone to that brewery. Every time I can get near that brewery, but for you, that's the swing and a miss. That's a swing and a miss. Dead Guy tastes like SpaghettiOs to me, and okay. I don't know why it tastes like SpaghettiOs. Because, <laughs> And I love, like, 93% of Rogue's beers. Dead Guy, though, is, like, the go-to for most people. I don't love Dead Guy. Also Fat Tire. When people are like, oh, I got a Fat Tire, I I Nickelback judge them a little bit. Really? <laughs> I don't understand it. I don't know why you would order something that also sang Photograph. It strikes me as weird that people enjoy that beer. It also has a spaghetti flavor. Now that I say that out loud, I wonder like, what's my aversion to SpaghettiOs? Yeah, I mean, I really think that's the deeper cycle. But Rogue Dead Guy and SpaghettiOs, we just nah, nah, never, never. Mm-mm. Man, I've had a lot. Of so good f- I've had a lot, a lot of good nights at various places around the country, just defined by being Tuesdays. Yep. Namely, fat tire Tuesdays. Nope. Just th- so those are it's shames. Solid drink special. Those are shames yeah. in the opposite direction for me. When I'm in a group and people are like, "Oh, I'll have a fat tire." "Oh, I'll have a fat tire." I will say things like, "I'm not drinking because I'm on cold meds." Because I don't want to admit to them. I'm pregnant. Yeah. That, that, that I can't do that right now. <laughs> okay. Uh, mine is a beer that I drink. Uh, again, following the prompt. Um, but I love it a lot, and it. I kind of. I'm shamed about it for the Catan reason. Because uh, I don't think it tastes bad, obviously. Um, summer Shandy. Line and Lugal Summer Shandy. Ew. A beer you absolutely hate. Abhor. Abhor. A beer that I can cook with. A beer that I can drink cases of and be happy about. I mean, it's just refreshing lemonade. I drink a summer shandy and I want to be mowing along. <laughs> like, it's just, mm, it's just, And I know there are better lemon beers out there, there's better Line and Lugal beers out there. And I I get that a lot of people are just like, oh, I heard you like craft beer. Have you tried Leinenkugel's Summer Shandy? And you you really just told me you don't know what you're talking about. And I get it. And I appreciate your recommendation. You tried with what you had. But I like it anyway, and I don't know why. (sighs) Okay, two things. One, Kugel's has a cranberry something or the other Shandy that I think is really delicious. Okay, They have uh, their Snowdrift Vanilla Porter is a great beer. Like, it's not a bad brewery. It's not. But Summer Shandy's pretty basic. Summer Shandy. So here's what here's here's what happens to me when I taste the Summer Shandy. I think, "Oh yeah, remember that one time you were stuck in a lifeboat and all you could subsist on was your own urine and this bag of Skittles you found <laughs> From in a man the who lifeboat loves Corona." <laughs> and and you couldn't you couldn't think of anything else to do but for mix the Skittles into the urine and make something drinkable out of them. Oh, well, look at that! You've got a and Kugel summer shandy. See, here's how I know it's a shame, other than just like flat out disagreeing with you. Here's how I can at least doubt my own opinion, because I will drink the shit out of a and Kugel summer shandy in the bottle. If you give it to me in a can, I am going to spit it up and throw it across the room. It's like a <laughs> and different then it, and then it will taste like a and Kugel summer shandy. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a different goddamn beer to me, and I cannot even put my finger on it. But uh, yeah, that's my last secret shame beer.
1: You know, you didn't have if they handed it to you, you. Can you could just not take it? You didn't have to throw it. I like to make myself fucking clear.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm intentional right. AF. It's about <laughs> sending a message. Mm-hmm. Swear to me.
0: Right. Uh, having said that, and speaking of beers we do or do not like to drink, I'm going to get something else. And this is our uh, fifth segment. So uh, this is it. So if you've been with us this time, we really appreciate your time. Uh, we hope you enjoyed our time. Uh, if you want to hear more from us, which we totally understand if you wouldn't after the shit you've <laughs> sat through thus far, yeah. you can find us on Patreon, The Mixed Six. You can also find us on Twitter, at The Mixed Six, uh, and on Facebook now at this point. And on the iTunes. And on the iTunes. If you've heard about this newfangled iTunes. If, on the other hand, you're here for the free ride, awesome. Good for you. We appreciate that. And
1: we'll see you on the next episode. Thanks so much for your time. Uh, and if you're one of you want to get the Make Six on another podcast, uh, it should be on other podcasting apps. And if it's not, please post a comment and I can figure out how to. Yes, yes. producer another- roster. Yeah. If yeah. you
0: can't find us, well, a if you can't find us, you're not hearing this. So I understand the <laughs> irony of this. But if you can't find <laughs> us, shout wanted, louder. Yeah, let us know
1: because we'll come find you. Boo. Yeah. yeah. All right. See you later.